The Good Reading Podcast is brought to you by Read, the monthly book subscription that pairs a new release book with a pampering gift delivered to your door. There are new books every month and nine genres to choose from. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Read subscription today? Visit luxury.com.au to find out how. Your jewellery. Don't forget those pretty diamonds you have in your ears, girls. We want it all. Your capo calls out laughing. She is a tall woman with short curly black hair and a single missing incisor. Sibby reaches a hand to one ear and then the other. The small gold earrings with their tiny red stones have been fixed to her lobes on the day she was born by her grandmother, who had just delivered her. This would be the first time they had ever been removed. Sibby struggles to find the clasp holding them in place. She watches with growing horror as the copper rips earrings at random from girls' ears. Blood pours from split lobes as hysterical crying fills the room. She hopes Livy, wherever she is in this hellish room, has managed to remove hers. As she pulls them free, she finds the couple is standing in front of her, hand outstretched to take the precious tokens of a grandmother's love. She thinks briefly of Magda and thanks God her sister is many miles away. One by one, the girls are called into the centre of the room to be inspected by the Schufzwaffel SS guards who continue to leer at the young female bodies paraded before them. Sibby remembers her grandfather telling her again and again, humour will save you, laugh, and if you can't laugh, put a smile on your face. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Heather Morris's early career in social work provided her with a wealth of storylines that found their way into a series of screenplays that she says, now line the bottom drawer of my desk. A fortuitous meeting with Lale Sokolov was the start of an amazing literary career that gave us the international best-selling book, The Tattooist of Auschwitz. Silka's Journey, another remarkable story of survival, followed before Heather revealed her own inspirational writing journey in Stories of Hope. But today I'm talking to Heather about her latest book, Three Sisters. Heather, welcome to the Good Reading Podcast. Thank you. Lovely to be with you again. The story behind Three Sisters begins with a promise. What was that promise and how did it affect the lives of these three sisters, Sibi, Magda and Livia Ravik? These three girls at the time of that promise were three, five and seven years of age. They made the promise to their father, not knowing that they would not see him again. The promise that they would stay together, they would look after each other, they would protect each other, nothing would come between them. And there's another link in the chain of this story. That's one Odek Ravik. What part did he play in documenting this remarkable story? Odie, as we call him. He is Livy, the youngest sister, her son, her firstborn. He is, as Livy said to me many, many times, the reason she stopped crying herself to sleep every night, which she did for 10 years from the day she left Auschwitz-Birkenau to the day she gave birth. He lives in Toronto in Canada, and he picked up a copy of The Tattooist of Auschwitz on his way to visit his mum in Israel. I'm so grateful that Canada, being one of only two countries that took the Australian cover, 
Because if they hadn't, I may never have heard about Livy, Magda and Sibby. Because when he left it on his mother's coffee table the next day and she looked down at the arms and the numbers on the arms and said to him, that must be about Lully and Gita. And he looked at her and said, how do you know? She looked at the number on her own arm. Look, they're three away. From that full statement, he contacted me, but only after his mother had not slept for nearly two days as she read the book in its entirety and said, contact that lady. I need to tell her more. It's really interesting how just a series of numbers, of very innocent numbers, can connect and reconnect these people over time. And the way that number, in a sense, expresses a bond between these people, that the experiences that they underwent. And these three sisters, Sibby, Magda and Livia, share that bond, a rather extraordinary bond. And I wondered, was that bond evident when you met them and were you able to interview them together? Well, only Olivia and Magda. Sibby died in 2015, so I never got to meet her. Um, I got to meet all the rest of her family, her sons and their partners and her grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But, yes, when I spent time with Livy and Magda together, it was actually very, very uh, funny because these two sisters, they banter. They, they have a go at each other. They have this sort of connection that, well, I guess all siblings have to some degree. But when you're seeing it playing out in a 95 and 97-year-old and one is speaking English and the other one is answering in Hebrew and they're trying to then translate to me. It was, it's just a beautiful, beautiful situation to be in. And um, I'm so, so honoured to have been able to spend time with the two of them, both separately and together. And did that change the way that they told their story, how they related their story to you? In a funny way, because um, one would remember something and jog the memory of the other. And um, I had this hilarious uh, situation play out with them because after I no longer could go to Israel, thank you, COVID, I had to then talk to Livy, who is uh, the, the most English uh, proficient. I would talk to her on WhatsApp video and her daughter would go around, we'd get on, on the video and we'd be chatting away and I'd ask her something and she'd go, just a minute. And she would pick up her home phone and I would just hear this conversation in Hebrew and I would look at her daughter who was absolutely cacking herself laughing. And it translates that Livy would ring up Magda and say, do you remember such and such? Because Heather's just asked me about it. And if Magda said no, then Livy would say, well, that's not fair. You have to remember the things that I don't remember and I will remember the things that you don't remember. And, um, and she'd be having a go at her. You know, why don't you remember? After such tragic and life-altering experiences, how do these people forgive and find balance in their lives? Because their bond of loving each other is stronger than any evil that's been perpetrated on them. And they, as like every survivor says, we owe it to those who did not survive to live the best lives we can. That doesn't mean to say that they forgive or forget, never forget. And I just mentioned how Livy cried for 10 years every night. Her poor husband, he had to go to, to Sibby and on the first night of their, after their wedding and say, what am I doing wrong? You know, Livy just cries herself to sleep. And Sibby went, oh, yeah, you'll get used to it. That's what she does. The whole family, in fact, the extended family, is involved in this storytelling and involved in this experience that they underwent. 
Absolutely. And that's the beauty of my being able to tell it. Uh, the weird thing was that when I went to visit them the first time in Israel, and I spent about two or three days with Libby and Odie was there from Canada and his wife, Pam, and her daughter, Dorothy, and, and just Lee's family. And I was hearing their story and Libby kept wanting to just tell me about Luddy and Gita. But I kept saying, uh -uh, no, no, I'm hearing what's going on with you. And uh, I said to them, look, you really should find somebody here in Israel to tell your story to. You must. And Odie said, that's what I've wanted all my life. And, and then they said to me, have you been to Jerusalem? And I said, no. And they said, well, why don't you go? So they told me the next day I had to go to Jerusalem. And I did. And so the following day when I returned, it transpired, they got all those other families together, Sibby's boys and their wives and their adult grandchildren, Sibby's and Magda's uh, daughters. And they had this big family meeting and uh, talked about approaching me and asking me would I write it. And every member of that family was on board. And um, so the next day I came back, they said, okay, we've had a meeting, you're it. This is history you're writing about, but you choose to express your books in a as fiction rather than non-fiction. What kind of freedoms or, or restrictions does that provide for you in your storytelling? I think it allows me to create in dialogue what was going on inside those camps and with those girls. It gives me the permission to write in current language what I am hearing from these girls. Um, I, yes, I do research as well, but to be able to reimagine those situations, having heard them from the mouths of those that were there and then recreate them or reimagine is how I like to put it, I think it can make the story more relatable. I'm not just giving you dates and facts and figures. The real emotion that comes from having lived that experience, if I can be good enough as a writer, that's what I bring to now these stories being read by the, the number of people that read them. And I suppose history is really made up of the collective experiences of individuals. Well, absolutely. And, you know, in Hebrew, there is no word for history. They consider that their history must come from the memories of those that lived it. So that they don't look at history in the same way that we do, other than the, for the, the dates and the practical stuff. But for them, no, history is memory. You honour the memory of those who lived the experience. So, yes, there was no word for history in Hebrew. You get a really strong sense of character, of the characters of these three sisters, Sibi, Livia and Magda. What aspects of your research are most helpful in bringing those characters to life, in building that sense of character? The more time I spent with them, the more I could see the playfulness, the more I could see that Magda was the serious one and the thoughtful one. And in the end, it became quite um, easy for me to, to go back and picture this woman who was sitting in front of me as this 15-year-old girl, innocent, utterly innocent and um, playful. And to then see, and I, they told me so much about Sibby and Sibby's sons told me so much about what it was like living with their mother that, again, I was able to see her as a teenager and a young woman uh, quite easily in the end because they were, they were so tight with each other and knowing so much about how each other had been. And the beautiful thing about these three girls and women was how I was able to hear from their conversations and from their family conversations how they role reversed. 
they went from who was the supporting one at this point in time, keeping the other two going, keeping them alive, and who wanted to give up. And you know that role swapped in and out their entire lives, uh, which is just incredible to think that um, after two and a half years, the 15-year-old, now 17-year-old, was the one propping up the the 21-year-old. And how when Magda joined them, uh, she became the person who then kept them going because she brought with her the memories of their home and of their family back home, having just been with them. Do you get a sense of how the people you write about, these three sisters and, and the other people in the story, they're real people, how they feel about being, I guess, for want of a better word, fictionalised? Well, all the family, including uh, the sisters, their children and their adult grandchildren, all read the manuscript way before it went to the printers and uh, and had the right to object to anything or want anything changed. And there was only one thing that I think Olivia and Magda asked me to change and they didn't think, and if I can tell you what it was, uh, they didn't think that I handled their arriving back in Prague the way that they had experienced it. And so they then spoke to me some more and made me go back and rewrite that. But that was about all. Um, These granddaughters, and they've all got granddaughters, and they've all write to me and contact me and say, I understand and know who my family is now because of how you've written up my family story. So they seem to think I'm giving to the generations to come the, the story that well, our story's not written up. They die as we die and only our children remember us. And uh, they're very, very grateful for that. The Tattooist of Auschwitz, Silka's Journey, and now Three Sisters form a trilogy. And while that's quite a nice, neat number, you must have gathered a wealth of other stories and experiences through your years of research. So where to from here? Where to is actually going to be taking a break from writing. Uh, yes, the, the next novel that I will embark on is being discussed with uh, the publishers and I, um, and it will come out in due course, but I have not had a break. I've got out four books in under four years. I've decided I'd like to sit back and just enjoy the process of them being released as they are throughout the different countries, because it can take up to six months, sometimes 12, to get them translated and released in, in many of the other countries. I have invites to go to all these countries. And as soon as Qantas will get back in the air, I'm out of here. So I have asked for six months to be able to just enjoy the process of having a book being released globally and getting to as many countries as I can. And uh, there's the whole issue of a a certain mini-series of which development of that is progressing. And um, I'm involved in that as much as the producers will let me. Congratulations on the new book, Three Sisters, and thank you so much for joining me on the Good Reading Podcast. As always, my pleasure, sir. Thank you, and thank you to all the the readers and the listeners. Just uh, so, so happy to always connect with you. I've been talking to Heather Morris about her new book, Three Sisters. It's published by Echo and is available at goodreadingmagazine.com.au. My name's Greg Dobbs, and thanks for listening. This Good Reading Podcast was brought to you by Luxury Read. Why not spoil yourself or give the gift of a Luxury Read subscription today? Visit luxuryread.com.au to find out how.